This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You're listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, a Texas Tech athletics podcast where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personal Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. What's up, Michael? Hey, man. I, we've, got to, we've got to talk about this game, this Baylor game, before our 72-hour rule expires. Do we have to? <laughs> well, do we need to make it... What comes after 72? Is that 96? Do we need to make it a 96-hour rule? Just to be on the safe side. I don't know. I think we're right at 72 hours right now, so. Yeah. I don't know. Exactly 72 hours ago, the wheels came off because the fourth quarter started. Let's be honest, Michael. The wheels were already off, man. They were off. They were off, but we'll get into it some more later. But I I don't know. I I have a working theory on on fourth quarter and time travel that I'd like to, okay. to, to, to bring to you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I spent probably uh, a couple of hours on research on this game and it, it, it wrecked my, my, my mood. Um, and it wasn't so much like kind of wreck either. It wasn't like, like yeah, like wreck them tech. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't like I was rewatching the game. I rewatched part of it. I was like, this is stupid. Um, <laughs> Like I, I went through and cause the, there, somebody said something that set me off and and we'll get to that. And then I have the def, I have the, the defense. I've got my justification lined out to why that's anyways. It'll be the defense defense little teaser there. Yeah. So we'll get into that. If you want to follow us, you can follow the show at 23 personnel. You can follow me Spencer at punts suck and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. You can also catch us Saturday mornings, 10 to noon on Rob Bro's College Tailgate Show and Talk 103.9 FM here in Lubbock, streaming online on the KKAM.com website or on the Talk 103.9 mobile app. As you should know by now, 23 Personnel is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. Like food and sports. That's kind of like our, uh, our, our forte there. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. Rising Tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on the social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink. That's spelled like sportsdrink, but without the vowels. All we ask is you try to, all we ask that you close the door behind you because we're trying not to let the funk out. Almost. You almost had it. Almost had it. <laughs> It's only been six months. It's fine. All right. You nail it every time. We've got we've got football. We've got the Baylor game to talk about. We've got the TCU game. I don't want to talk about the TCU game. I don't want to talk about the Baylor game. We've got a basketball game. I'd love to talk about basketball, Michael. 
love okay. to talk about basketball because the first game is six days away. Yeah. This is your preview for the game against Northwestern State on Monday. The Lady Raiders are playing an exhibition right now. It's here. Basketball is here. This is nuts. Well, they, they've been playing exhibitions and scrimmages, but uh, this is the first one of either uh, men's or women's team that have been like, oh, hey, this is actually happening, and we're going to show you. We're going to share stats with you. Correct. I mean, the, the men's team has played, and... D- yeah, depending done, on who you read, various... Done well, done. Results. Yeah. Um, so, basketball. Love talking about basketball. I have a lot of notes there. A lot of things I want to touch on. But before we get there, Baylor, TCU, let's talk football. Chuck keeps it himself. Made two guys miss. Touchdown! Two out of the end zone. Picked off him, and it's picked off. Pick six, Jeffers. Slager able to escape. And that picked off. Back to back. Seconds to go, 62-yard try. Garibay has his foot into it. It may be long enough. It is good! It is good! It is good! Jonathan Garibay has won the game with a 62-yard field goal! Oh, my God! Can you believe that? Wow! I think, Michael, what's most disappointing about this game is that it was supposed to be a close game. You, you, you felt like you had a good chance to win this one. Mm-hmm. And from very early on, it's like, nope, that's not yeah. how this is going to play out. And it was like, it's, it's one of those things where you're not sure, quite sure what it was that started it, but whatever it was that kicked that snowball down the hill, can go to hell. <laughs> I mean, like, like we, we touched on it very briefly in the, in the, in the post game. The post game was really short to begin with because Spotify. Oh, fun story. Michael Spotify crashed my phone. The room stayed up for 12 hours. So did good. you have a lot of activity? Were you, there were a lot of people at the recording? <laughs> no, you know, I, I, I luckily, I, I did not, I did not choose to get the recording because I was like, I, I don't need it tonight. Or I, Here's I'm, your 7.9 gig recording of. <laughs> well, there, there were several hours of sleeping. Dead air. There were uh, several hours of like church leadership meetings and then going to church. Like I didn't realize it was still going until I was in the middle of my church services Sunday morning. 
Luckily, people were wanting to chime in. They were ready. They, they were. These and guys have been just going all night. I, I was getting notifications for people requesting to speak. And I was like, I, just, I chalked it up. I, I, I should have, I should have paid more attention. I was like, it, I was like, man, it, it's just some bug from the app crashing or my, it's weird connecting to my watch. And now like all the, all the notifications are coming through. No, man, they were probably like, Hey man, shut up, get off. Or it'd be even, well, it'd be even funnier if we actually were for some reason doing some marathon 12 hour rant about losing to Baylor and some randoms are like, we had our mics on mute or something the whole time. Yeah. Or they just weren't working. Luckily people, that's what we did. Y'all missed a great show. Y'all missed a great show. If y'all tuned in, y'all got in at 5am. We, that was when we really started rolling. What's funny then is like. Like you probably would have still heard me wrap up the end of the show because my phone was on the desk, and you were just like, what, oh, sure. "What's going on?" And <laughs> you're just like, "He just can't hear me, or something's weird." And I'm just like, "Whatever, we're doing this, <laughs> we're wrapping up." And then like I walked out there, I walked out to somebody that was in the living room. I was like, "Man, you wouldn't believe Spotify crashed in the middle of it, and <laughs> it's still going." <laughs> um, luckily, like, there was nothing to be embarrassed about that night, so there was no. Uh, no adult activities that okay. were broadcast yeah. on the internet live. That, that, was, that, was, that was, of course, what everyone was thinking. Well, you know, Saturday night was, uh, was straight to bed. So <laughs> speaking of not speaking of Saturday night, Saturday, the game versus Baylor. My goodness, man. Um, it, I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll just start off with, with, um, talking about the offensive performance versus the Baylor defense. There was another podcast that and I, I don't know if it was just like one of those comments that you just, you just kind of say, because you're kind of, um, you're, you're like being defensive. Like you just say, cause like, Oh, it, it's because I don't want to acknowledge that we are as bad as it looked like we were, or you just said it because whatever reason, this person said, Baylor is the best defense you played all year. I immediately called bullshit. I was like, no, no, you, you, you can't use that defense because you lost the game. I, uh, I, I spent some time doing some mm-hmm. research on this. Baylor's defense was and is mediocre at best, but you made them look so much better. I'm going to give you some, some very key stats to what we saw on Saturday and give it in the context of the rest of the Big 12 plus NC State and Houston, because that's also teams you played on the schedule. So here we go. Scoring defense, because that's that's a more to start, right? How many points did Baylor allow? Baylor currently in the 12 teams, Big 12 plus NC State and Houston is ranked fifth scoring defense on the season. They were sixth before you played uh before this game was played on Saturday, which means them holding you to 17 points boosted their, them up one spot. Um, that's going to be a pattern. Just FYI, the biggest one interception Saturday is Saturday is the biggest is, is a pretty big pattern in boosting padding Baylor's uh, defensive stats based off what you've got here. Yeah. So I'm going to share what they are now versus what they were before the game. Even the now ones aren't that impressive, but just, they are fourth or tied for fourth in interceptions. They were eighth because you obviously threw them five 
interceptions. What, and however you want to, whatever. Um, sacks, they were 10th before this game. They jumped up to fifth. Tackles for loss, yeah, they, they stayed the same at eighth. Yeah, they had six sacks on Saturday and eight TFLs. And those eight TFLs weren't good enough to move them up even one spot in the rankings. They're eight of 12 on this list. Third down defense, seventh. I didn't, I didn't include a uh, third and fourth down here, which I will do in previews because I'd have to do that for 12 teams. And I was, I was not feeling it. This was several hours. And I was like, no, this is stupid. I'll just give the standard third down defense. They were seventh or they are seventh. Here's, here's the biggest thing because we saw how bad Baron Morton looked throwing the ball team passing defense efficiency. They are third, but Michael, that's not where they were Saturday morning. They were eighth. One game took them from eighth to third. So I'm going to go through some, some of the different notes and perspectives here just to kind of give some context. The Texas Tech passing efficiency, the offensive passing efficiency rating before Baylor was 135.35. And this is a, this is a, a formula that takes your total yards, you multiplies it by a certain number. I think it's 8.4. And then it's 300 times the number of touchdowns minus 200 times the number of interceptions plus 100 times the number of completions all divided by the number of attempts. And you get this passer passing efficiency rating. Text tech was 135.35 before Baylor. The Baylor defense, uh, Baylor team passing defense efficiency was 128.62. Very similar. Mm-hmm. The game, Texas Tech, and this number will go both ways. The Texas Tech offense or the Texas, or the Baylor team defense. The passer passing efficiency for the game was 48.3. You were almost 100 points off of your season average on your passing efficiency. On a team that was not a good passing defense. No. Texas Tech passing efficiency after the game dropped from 135.35 to 126.89. That's almost 10 full points. And their defense went from 128.69 to 117.65. So they still didn't get that much credit. No, it looks like it's, it's obvious that Tech's, um, you know, Baylor's passing defense efficiency performed a little better than average, but Tech's passing efficiency on offense obviously performed, like you said, almost 100 points lower than average. And I think everyone would agree with that. You know, when you have a combined, what was it, 11 for 34 or something crazy? You uh, were... 12 for, 30, 12 for 37. 12 for 37 as a team, yeah. With three quarterbacks. Um, and <laughs> everyone knows of, of those... 12 completions on top of that, you had five other completions to Baylor's defensive backs. Uh, I did have a guy chime in on Twitter wondering, cause I think I was talking about how the receivers at that point in the game. And this is how it finished too. No receiver ended up with more than two catches. And then a guy on Twitter asked me, what about a, a Baylor defensive back? And I said, surprisingly, no, we spread the ball around. 
So it wasn't like there was just some DB out there that had just had everybody's number and was jumping every route. It was just some really bad throws. And I would argue that the end zone inter quote unquote interception was that's not on Morton at all. I mean, I think that's just a, it was a, it was a tug of war play that, that should have never happened. It was a 50, 50 at best pass, right? Like your, your, your receiver obviously had a chance. Um, and like, honestly, like you could, you could talk, you can argue both ways for the interception, right? You could say, well, the receiver, I believe it was Bradley had possession of the ball, both hands on it. His feet were down in the end zone. And that's that, right? You can say the, the completion or the catch ended there. You could also argue that as they went to the ground, he lost possession of it and it was taken from mm-hmm. him or he was not in possession of it when they went to the ground. And then while on the ground, the defensive back secured it. So things like, well, then that's an interception. He didn't complete the catch. He didn't go all the way to the ground. But then I would argue they weren't like there were plenty of passes and, and I'm, I don't know why I'm pulling this out of the hat here because it, it, it was so frustrating. It was 2007. This is a long time ago. Jordan Shipley in Austin toe touch his toes come down in the end zone. Heel comes out of bounds. They called it a touchdown. I said, well, his toes were inbound. He had control of the ball. It didn't matter that his heels came down out of bounds. I was like, well, I guess we're dividing, dividing the foot into multiple pieces here. <laughs> <laughs> because if you are running out of bounds and your little toe is touching the line, you're out of bounds. I don't know. And the, the, the point of that was like, they, they determined possession and completion of that catch on a In toe instant. instantly. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this In one, like microsecond, no, we're, we're going to let this one play out like they did in Raleigh when yeah. poor uh, Drew Hocutt was on the ground yeah. you know, fighting for his life. Well, the ref, the ref in that 2007 game was, uh, was I'm sure he's it was actually, a, a, he's a podiatrist. Yeah. He was very, very keen on, on the feet there. Yeah. It was Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even want to know the, the connection there. That's cool. You can let it roll. Okay. So on the day, five off, uh, obviously offensive, five interceptions. Um, we, we obviously just discussed one of them. Um, there was a TCU fan that said, I, I, what was, what was McGuire doing from Shuck out there? His first action in three months. You know what? I don't know, man. That sure felt two to months. me. Uh, yeah. I mean, before and sorry, this episode, you just, y'all be ready. This is going to be a long one because Spotify crapped out. Like Spencer mentioned, despite us uh, giving our best performance over a 14 hour show, but we're, we're going to kind of rehash a little bit of the game more than we normally would on a Tuesday. This, this felt a lot like when Morton got thrown in in Raleigh. Um, I didn't understand that necessarily because the game. All right. Yes. Tech was down two scores, 31, 17. When Shuck got put out there, there were four minutes left. But I don't remember I how gonna, many times. Yeah. I was gonna say there, there yeah. wasn't much time left. No, I mean, I, I am a hundred percent with you. It's not like something miraculous would have likely happened, but the last interception by Morton was obviously, as we just discussed, 
kind of out of his hands to put it in a weird term. It wasn't really a bad throw. Um, and it was a throw that his receiver was able to catch and actually come down with. So I, I don't really understand it there. It, that was, that was just packing it in to me. Uh, that I felt the same way when they did that at NC state with eight minutes left, Morton came in. Okay. I, I think down two scores in that game too, but just thought, well, let's, let's let somebody else run for a while. Anyway, I, I didn't really understand it then. And I jokingly tweeted, Oh, four eleven. There's still enough time for another interception. And uh, yeah, that's exactly that's what happened. <laughs> that was, that was Shuck's first play. And and, you know, hats off to him for letting him come out again. And going forward on fourth and 18 or whatever on your own 36. And I I get that. I get that uh, McGuire was busy the week that Aranda played OU and kicked that field goal for the points. I think that was the week he either got the tech job or was interviewing for it or both. So maybe he forgot that Aranda did that and you just thought, oh, Aranda's just going to run the clock out here if we go for it on fourth and something on on our own 30-yard line. No, the man's going to keep playing. They're going to score 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. Anyway, that just blew my mind because you, you head into the fourth quarter, and this is where I was going to kind of get, if you could go back in time and just redo the fourth quarter, this could have really been a different game. Because that was just so awful. As bad as the game was, the fourth quarter was epically awful. Interception, 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 downs. And and on that, like I said, on that downs, the drive ended on your own. Let's see, what was it? On your own 26. Yeah. And you hand the ball to them, and of course they score again. And so then you run some more plays. I mean, I know they were just handoffs on that last drive, but I was like, Jesus, y'all probably will fumble it. What are we doing? Let's not get it to 54. They're, Cause they go for two or some, sh- I don't even know. It, <laughs> I, I just couldn't, they go for three, I guess in that point, but it was, it was playing with fire and it just burned them. It burned them big time. And I, I don't think they'll make, this many bad decisions all at once. And I was talking with it about it with people at work and, and it's almost like you can't, it was such a failure on offense in all spectacles from the line to the receivers. There's so the many quarterbacks, so many passes hit receivers in the hands. Oh yeah. Or, or the receivers were just blanketed. I mean, getting no separation. Um, just Against a so not good instances. pass defense. Yeah. So, sorry to yeah. talk over it, you there. It, well, it's just hard to point a finger at, well, it was, it was obviously the play calling. It was obviously bringing in the quarterback. It was obviously this. It's like, no, all of these things happened. All of these you things pick, contributed. Yeah. You can pick, 18, pick different, 18 different things and, and, and be upset about it. Um, oh my gosh. Like I, I can understand and kind of defend trying a different quarterback. Like when Morton was looking that bad and when you put Smith in there and his first pass is a dot, you're like, Oh, okay. Like he, he, he may be feeling it differently. Right. So you see that and maybe like, okay, so I've got some confidence. If we, if we ever, you know, pull the trigger and say, we're, we're going to move away from Morton. Smith looked pretty good there. 
What didn't help is on the next possession when they went for it on fourth down, he they picked up the fourth down and then he threw a terrible interception. It's like, well, oh my gosh, what, it was like ceiling to floor in an instant. Yeah, they they brought him in on that fourth down, and I was already half freaking out. Like, what are we doing, guys? This is a really big play because Tech was, like I said, they were still in it at that point. It was a two score game, I think. Maybe maybe just one. Then I I kind of can't remember. It might have been twenty four or seventeen when that happened. But um, I thought I, I I didn't agree with it. I thought that wasn't a, a a good idea, but it worked. And so hey, it works. So I'm gonna shut up about it. But then the next play, they kept the hurry up going, and a friend, a coworker, friend of mine, shout out, shout out to Will if he's listening. Uh, he told me that he was at the game, which was a birthday present for him. Oh. Which you know, unfortunately, sorry, sorry, man. Happy belated birthday. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Happy belated birthday, though. <laughs> uh, but he got to go to the game, and right before Smith threw that, because he's like me, like. Um, I'll go to a game and I'll just kind of forget how much people just talk and, and yell out things for the offense to do or yell out things for the defense to do. Stop them. Tackle. Em. Yeah. Yeah. And you just kind of, you kind of get worn out about that. Um, I'm, I'm not the best at interacting with large groups of people. So I just try to tune it out, but I can't. So anyway, he said right before Smith threw that, man, they really got to get that ball in the middle of the field. I don't know why they're not attacking the oh, middle. No. <laughs> And then he throws it over the middle. Yeah, sure enough. So it, it was just one of those moments. That whole game was one of those moments. I, I can't believe it. Five interceptions. So this puts you, you touched on it a little bit because this bumped up how many INTs Baylor has gotten on the year. Tech, Texas Tech is officially last in the country. In the United States of America, there's not another FBS team that has thrown more interceptions than, than your Red Raiders. We are 131st. With 15 interceptions on the year, there are several teams tied with 14. Mm. But that last one, <laughs> that pick six, took us took us over the edge. I I will calm down because I don't know. I wasn't planning on getting this fired up about it again. I guess I just didn't get it out of my system on Saturday. But um, I, I'm going to calm down because I'm not I'm not calling for anyone's head. I don't feel. To that point, I think that's ridiculous. There's somebody telling me in my mentions that Kitten, Kitley, Kitten, <laughs> Kitley needs to go. I'm, just, I'm tired of him. And I'm like, come on, man. No, that's that's not how this works. And what, what's but tough it, it was a bad game. He had a bad game. And so many players had mm-hmm. bad games all at the same time. And this was I came into the year thinking this was a seven five team as a ceiling. And we're still capable of seeing that, but it's less likely now. And I am not beside myself, but man, that game was just so brutal. What doesn't help is a new coaching staff also within the conference that's undefeated right now. Oh boy. No. And especially with the team, because I I don't want to lump you into it too much, but I think I had TCU win in like four or five games this year. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if that was like because of the recruiting stuff I saw for, from Dykes that he just had no, no personality. There was no life there. Um, they, he wasn't really all that good at SMU. The guy after the guy is usually a disaster. So like taking over for Gary Patterson, you, 
dude's been there 20 plus years. He's got a statue outside the stadium. Like everything was stacked against him. And like his defense isn't all that good, but his offense, yeah. like I'm, 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 I'm not looking forward to this game. No, me neither, man. I started, which we'll get to in a second. Stats some more. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know that you're probably not ready to move on yet, but yeah, I'm with you. It's, and I did watch, um, I think I watched most all of that Oklahoma state game who I think I haven't looked at the metrics, but I would think Oklahoma state was the best defense you've played so far this year. It's Kansas state. Oh, is it really mm-hmm. interesting? We are the, able to, well, and, and tech was so, able to put up points on both of those teams on the road. I think that just shows exactly what you've, been illustrating from the get go is that's just how poorly this offense played. Cause even like, against those really good defenses, tech was still able to show up and get 30 something points on the road. One of them with a red shirt freshman's first start. So, so talking about his first start and literally all the statistics I just pointed out, Oklahoma state was better than Baylor in all of them. Sacks tackles for loss, third down defense, scoring defense, interceptions, passing efficiency, all of it. They're better than Baylor, but you saw what you did and you felt like you had a great chance to win that game. If Morton had stayed healthy, you even, you had a a decent shot when he wasn't healthy. He was on half a leg. Yeah. And then Baylor comes in and you're like, still battled. Like my concern was being able to absorb the body blows of Jeff Grimes punching you in the gut 30 times in a row and then hitting you over the top with some random, a misdirection play action pass that you just got lulled to sleep on and Gavin Holmes got behind you. Right? Like I was worried about that. They rushed for 3.9 yards per play. That's not even good. That's decent. They just like, you just, you couldn't ever get them like you couldn't get string enough stops together to get him off the field. Like it was a stop and then you get him at like third and eight and then Shapin would break out for nine yards. Oh my gosh. Can we, can we, can we ever just get away from the third and X and allowing them to get X plus one? Like that is yeah. the worst. Like if it's third and eight and he breaks off a 50 yarder, like, Oh, well, okay. We, we, we kind of broke there. We were like selling that for one thing and they misdirection us. Right. Yeah, that's like no. that's like some Adrian Martinez stuff, and you just kind of live with it. Oh, okay, well that really sucked. Yeah, but like he, he it's third it to the house. It's third and eight, and you give up nine yards. Like, oh my gosh. Speaking of taking it to the house, Morton had an awesome touchdown. Oh, I loved it. Scramble on his own. I mean, I mean, there were there were bright spots, guys. The running backs kicked ass. Uh, they just weren't given any touches until the second half. They combined. They so were twenty six carries. There were eight. There were eight handoffs in the first half. And I think one, one of the RBs had five, one had three, and I can't remember which, which way that was. That's, that seems was, really early to abandon the run game, the first half, and you were down 14 points. Sure. Yeah. And, and yet, I mean, I, of course, this was me jinxing myself, but in a good way. I was like, well, you know, Tech's down 24 to three. I guess it's probably too late to establish the run. But sure enough, they did. I mean, they came out in the second half and ran the ball and, and had some success. And I think both of those running backs, they averaged almost six yards a carry. They averaged over six yards a carry, 6.1 and 6.6. Now, granted, 
I know that some of it was in quote unquote garbage time. Probably I know that there's a little bit of that, but it doesn't matter. It was already in the fives cause we were keeping an eye on it during the game. You know who else had a lot of garbage time and didn't average 6.6 6 yards per carry <laughs> Baylor. <laughs> yeah. It's so, true. Again, like garbage time went both ways and it, you didn't, it didn't stack up for them. Ugh. So you got, you got any more to add on this, on this thing? Yes. One more thing. Okay. Um, this is from, and I, I hate to do it. It's, Credit is due to other guys that that's dive deep and, and are committed to, to tracking stats. Stats of War, uh, Parker, he's a TCU fan and uh, he hosts a podcast, but he's like deep into the analytics. He has a success rate tracker uh, about, did we really get, get beat that bad? So it tracks all the games and, and it shows the difference in success rate of the two teams that played. In your four losses, Michael, can you guess how many times your team had a better success rate than the other team? Okay. Now you might have to explain this to me is success rate. Just things went better for you than, than you think they did as in you didn't turn the ball over as much or what, what determines success rate? So it's, it's based on expected yardage and so it's expected points per play and expected yardage on like standard down. So like if it's first and 10, a successful play is picking up like five yards or whatever it is. Okay. And then tech would be expected to get, you know, four or six or whatever. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm with you. I, I think, well, it's going to make you mad, Michael. Okay. Well, in that case, in all four losses, I'm going to say that tech must have had a better success rate, even though I really don't believe, I don't know how that was possible on Saturday. The other three I I could get four times, all four losses. You had a better success rate than your opponent. How? Because you had back breaking plays like the interceptions, Just the turnovers, the turnovers is what killed you. And and I I pointed this out to the the, the gauchos and Kyle had a had a, a quick response that um was was valid, but I said the two offenses were they averaged within a yard per play of each other. Now when you think about how badly you got beat and like like just absolutely could not do anything to stop Baylor, you're like, there's no way that's true. Uh, the difference is like 0.8 yards per play. Granted, what I think some of it had to, like it came from were like you had incompletions on the tech side, like two incompletions. And then you broke off like a 20 yard play. Well, 20 yards over three plays is about seven yards per play. Mm -hmm. Like the way that averages out where they may have been a lot more consistent Baylor at like four and a half or five yards per play than hitting zero, zero 20. But like when you look at that, you're like, like that's one of those numbers that you can, it can kind of be misleading in the way that, that I was interpreting is like they were so close together on yards per play. Um, granted Baylor ran like twice as many plays as you did. So they picked up a whole lot more yards and they held onto the ball. They also, I think were much more consistent in what they did and picked up than what you saw from Texas tech as it was 80 incompletions and a couple of big plays uh, like, and, and even in, in some, uh, wow, even in some garbage time, 
where you, you were having a couple of chunk plays. So like the yards per play thing, um, in this instance, kind of, it, it may be a little misleading, but like you, it definitely didn't feel like Baylor was, or that you were as close to performing per on a per, per play basis than Baylor was. All right. I, I probably just did more to confuse people trying to keep up with my stuttering and stammering there than helping, but oh, we got you, man. Kansas, Kansas game, two weeks, the 12th, 6 PM kickoff. Barring a sick child and or parent, I will be there. I bought, I bought a $10 ticket yesterday. I'm pretty excited. Uh, it'll be on ESPN plus, which par for the course, I guess playing Kansas yeah. and just the way that things are going. Like you you played Kansas state on ESPN plus, which made no sense. Uh, and it won't even really be at night yet for a while because yeah, of because the time the, change, the time change, which is this weekend. So you're, you're, you're it's going to kind of reset it a little bit. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's that, that's that two weeks this weekend, Texas tech is taking on TCU in Fort worth for the big noon kickoff on Fox. You can thank TCU for being undefeated for that one. Um, Baylor at Oklahoma, also on ESPN plus 2 PM kickoff there. Oklahoma state at Kansas 2:30 FS one. Do you have something on the Baylor game? Uh, well, it was on Texas tech TCU. Did you catch that pretty much the second, the TCU game ended? They announced that, uh, they announced that they're going to get the big nooner. I'd say so that was obviously didn't. all they wanted. They didn't care what Texas tech did. And obviously they don't, but the powers that be the second that the big 12 game went or uh, the West, West Virginia TCU game ended. That was when they announced that uh, they were coming to Cowtown. What would West Texas? Would a seven and one TCU had, had made it any different. I don't think so. Like if it was, that's why even if it was announced it already, don't do this. I'm just a grumpy old man tonight. I, the TV time announcements. I mean, I I can book a flight six months from now, but no one can tell me when OU is going to kick off in Lubbock. This is insane. Yeah. Like even if had TCU lost and they were seven and one and Texas tech won, they were five and three. Okay. Like, does that really change the, the slotting there? No, I, I don't know. What would they do instead? Oh, we're going to get, uh, cause Oklahoma. Even instead of tier three, we're going to pull them up to tier one. Oh, well go ahead. Sorry. So, okay. So Oklahoma state, Kansas FS one, like this is not a good weekend for, for big 12 football for ratings wise, West Virginia at Iowa state, big 12. Now it's not even, it's not even saying ESPN plus on this one. That can't be right. It's gotta be, yeah, that's weird. I don't know. And then Texas at Kansas State, also FS1. This one's at six. This will follow the Oklahoma State-Kansas game. So we're the only nationally televised game and the only real, I would call, uh, uh, I guess FS1 would be Tier 2. So two of the games on Tier 2, two are on Tier 3, one on Tier 1. Yeah, that's a rough, that's a rough go, Big 12. I did see that a lot of people watched Oklahoma state and Kansas state this, uh, this last weekend. So that was good, but also not a lot of people watched Baylor. Not a lot of people watched the butt bowl and just a handful more people watched OU and who did they play? 
Who did OU play last week? Oh, I thought they were off. No, they weren't off. Oh, well. Who did they play last weekend? I'm looking it up. Iowa State. They played Iowa State. Iowa State, yeah. Because Texas and Kansas were were off. Yeah, I think the ratings for Tech Baylor was in the 500,000s, and the ratings for OU Iowa State was in the 700s. But they were both on FS1, so it's kind of comparable. But, of course, then people can really dissect it and see what they were up against, who was playing, who else was playing, and that type of thing. And I haven't looked into that. So, But did you see the – it was – uh, future Big 12 matchup. Um, so, was it oh, o- uh, Oklahoma State, UCF? Kansas State. No, no, it was o- Oklahoma State, Kansas State. Uh, so it, it was it was a Big 12 matchup that not did not include Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, outperformed in a in a prime time broadcast slot. Outperformed anything from the Pac 12 in that same slot. Yes, so like so. so they, I did see that they were coming back and look like as much as we talked about the value of Texas and Oklahoma in the conference, which we've got evidence. Now the viewership is there. The TV dollars are there because, you know, Bowlesby was like, well, without Texas and Oklahoma, we can expect to get half. No, your mark got a raise for everybody without Texas and Oklahoma. Well, and I think there's a lot to be said about our brethren to the North, our fellow gunslingers up there. Oklahoma state draws eyeballs, man. There are a lot of fans watching their games. I, I think outside of possibly, I would like, I, I need to look, I'm just spitballing here. I've got nothing behind this, but I would, I know that the tech game in Stillwater was one of tech's highest rated games of the year. And I would say it's probably either that or the Texas game would be the highest rated game of the year. And it's because, and I think that's where, where you're seeing a team like Oklahoma state and Kansas state, a lot of it's because of the pokes. And I mean, I'm not going to say it's not because of, of Wildcat fans either. It's, they obviously have really good followings and that's just what people are seeing. Yeah. It doesn't just have to be the quote unquote marquee teams. And especially if they're ranked and they're playing each other on a channel that everyone freaking gets. Yeah. Give, give those games some more opportunities some more spotlight and people are going to watch them. I know, I know I do that if I'm looking on, I, I can't help it. If if I'm like, okay, it's two thirty, tech doesn't play till seven. Let's see what's on. If there's not a compelling Big Twelve game on or something because I just kinda wanna see where we land in everything, then I'm gonna oh, hey, there's a there's two ranked teams on. Or like last week, for whatever reason, I caught myself watching uh UCF in Cincinnati. Because I hey, there's another Big Twelve game. Let's yeah. get let's get <laughs> some eyeballs on that. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Big Twelve, Tech's Tech on the road in Fort Worth. Um, does the Texas Christian thing bother you that they actively try to get people to say TCU instead of Texas Christian? A little, a little. I just think it's weird. It is. I think it's really weird to have gone the Kentucky fried chicken route of your university. I mean, I, I'm not like this huge, um, this is not a religious podcast. So I'm I'm not going about it that way. I just think it's a really odd stance to take, um, to completely take that out of there. And I think they've even dissociated themselves with, it was the church of Christ at one point. Right. And I think yeah. they dissociated themselves with the church even. And 
just still went with TCU. I mean, I feel like if you feel that strongly about it, well, didn't somebody else do that? The name or something. Um, what do you mean? Was it like Houston Baptist or, or a school like that? That was like, Oh, Houston Baptist did change their name. They like, sure did. We're, we're just HBU. Like you're, you're, you're going by letters that would otherwise stand for, you know, like it's an abbreviation or a, um, Oh, well they went to, um, I guess they dissociated them. I, I don't know. They actually went from Houston Baptist to Houston Christian. Okay. So that's confusing. Uh, anyways, the let's talk about the game, Michael. We're, okay. we're, we're so far <laughs> into this and we've got this game and then a uh, Protestant, <laughs> Protestant university nomenclature. Yeah. Uh, so the game Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Fox, Texas, TCU opened as a, well, I, I guess it depends on where you saw it. Seven and a half or nine point. I, I saw it got up uh, maybe as high as, as ten and a half. It was nine and a half when we put the notes together. TCU was a two-score favorite over under right, right, right under 70, 69 and a half. Uh, as you all know, TCU is eight and oh on the season. Um, they are six or five and five and oh in conference play, six, one and one against the spread, three and one against the spread at home. Um, they've hit the over and gone four and zero at home, and six and two overall with the over under. Um, all time record uh, in slight favor of Texas Tech thirty two twenty nine and three. Um, Texas TCU. Oh my gosh, I I, I keep like I, I'm I'm not trying to say Texas Christian. I I, I keep like about to say Texas Tech, but I. I'm actually meaning to say TCU. TCU has won the last three um, and six of the last eight. Uh, the last time they won three in a row was 58, 59, 60. Is that what that means, yeah. Michael? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was in the 50s. And then they haven't beaten Tech four times a row in a row since the series started in the 20s. So hopefully we don't have to go by that far. Yeah. And so the, the series started in 1926 and tech lost five straight. So hopefully this will not be getting to a record that hasn't been touched since pre-World War II. Yeah. That's, that's almost a hundred year record there. Uh, offensively, they are led by senior quarterback, Max Duggan, Dugan Duggan, six, two, two, 10, uh, as a senior, uh, before this season, I would have told you he was a running back that could throw. But Garrett Riley's figured something out, man. Um, because he is, uh, he's slinging it. It's 149 of 221 on the year. It's 67% completing completion. 2,212 yards, 22 touchdowns to just two interceptions and a whopping 10 yards per attempt. Uh, on the ground, he's carried the ball 64 times, good for second on the team for 387 yards. Uh, only 4.3 yards per carry, but I'm sure those are third and threes, fourth and threes, right. and he's picking up four yards, and everybody's hating life when he does it. Four more touchdowns, so he's uh, he's responsible for 26 offensive scores. Um Running back, and my goodness, I watched this game this past weekend, or I watched the highlights of this game, like an extended highlight when they played West Virginia. Kendra Miller's going to be a problem, man. Number 33, six foot 220. Uh, he's carried the ball 132 times, 869 yards, six and a half yards per carry with 11 touchdowns. Oof. 
Only nine receptions on the year for 74 yards. Uh, another running back that could be a problem is Amari DiMicardo, 5'11", 210, 50 carries. So almost a third of what Miller has, 318 yards, six yards per carry, and four more touchdowns. Um, as if those three weren't bad enough, receiver number one, Quentin Johnston, 6'4", 215. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's an issue. 42 receptions, 650 yards, 15 and a half yards per catch for touchdowns. That number of touchdowns seems low. Um, but then he's got Tay Barber, uh, number four, 5'10", 190, 20 catches on the year, 388 yards. That's almost 20 yards per catch and three more touchdowns. Yeah, we, we alluded to this earlier. I, I mean, I knew this was a successful offense, especially by quote unquote TCU standards because they have struggled offensively uh, the majority of their time in the big 12. I, I mean, I know that outside of Trevon Boykin, early yeah. on. Yeah. That they were front loaded early on when they, when they got in, but then yeah, they've, they've really struggled. Um, and I don't mean to call throw red Raider, Sunny Cumbie under the bus, but they have, but just putting these together looking at these stats compared to what Baylor did. I, I mean, Duggan has thrown 22 interceptions. Shapen, coming into last week had only thrown 12. You, you mean touchdowns? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, gosh. I said interceptions. Didn't yeah. I? He's on 22, oh, no, no, 22 no. touchdowns. No, no. Yeah. He's, he's thrown 22 touchdowns. Uh, th- the other thing that caught my eye too was with Duggan two interceptions. I mean, the, the man's made good plays uh, and, and the receivers. I didn't, I knew that they were running the ball. Well, I knew they were obviously scoring, but I couldn't quite put my, I just couldn't believe that it was completely because of their passing game, not completely, but a lot of it. So they have two receivers with 62 receptions between them. I mean, last week, Baylor's top receivers had like 18, 16, 18 receptions. Mm-hmm. Quentin Johnson has 42 mm-hmm. and they're averaging, like you said, I mean, 15, 20 yards a catch. Oh, this is, this is a lot worse than I thought. So Duggan has 22 passing touchdowns. Texas tech combined between the three quarterbacks has 19. There you go. Which is less than, you know, half a touchdown thrown per game. But so when you think about the Texas tech offense and how it's been fairly run heavy, sorry, pass heavy, um, yeah, but also they're just scoring a lot of points because Kendra Miller and Demacardo have combined for another 15 touchdowns between the two of them. Yeah, uh, I mean, Duggan has really, like you said, credit to Riley and Dykes. Um, this offense looks different. This looks vastly different with a... I don't know how much roster turnover they had, but I don't Very think little. Was, yeah, I mean, I think it was, it's not like they brought in a bunch of guys that have really changed things on offense and changed the... No, I, I just think it's a different scheme. They figured out exactly how to use Duggan. Uh, they've got him a, a big wide receiver out there. Um, I, I, I was going to look at this. Hang on. Speaking of receptions for Texas Tech. So Texas Tech has two receivers... Xavier White and Miles Price have each had 33 and 32 receptions on the year. And TCU 
comes in with Quentin Johnson having 42. Now, Price, you could argue that had he been healthy, he might have gotten into the 40s. I know that one game he had like 13. So uh, just this is a dangerous offense, and it's it's yeah. not something that we're used to seeing from Fort Worth, at least not in recent years. Yeah, so they are eighth in the country in – um, I'm blanking on on what this stands for. OF plus. It's part of the FEI and S and P rankings. Um, basically, based on advanced stats, they're the eighth best offense in the country. Um, Michael mentioned offensive corner Garrett Riley coming over from SMU with Dykes. Um, and then this is something else I got from uh, Stats Award. They are fifth in the country in early down offensive success. So EPA, which is that estimated points per play. Um, and then the offensive, sorry, early down offensive success is that EPA and play on first and second downs, basically saying they are really good on first and second downs. Uh, because it was part of the matchup. He also pulled up the 10 worst offenses. Tech tech was ninth worst. Yeah. I was about to say, we're probably really bad on first and second down. Yeah. That's the thing I've been harping on all year, but I could never, I was never smart enough to figure out how to look up that stat, but I feel validated. Yay. Yeah. Defensively for TCU, they, you all know they've, they've abandoned the four, two, five pretty seamlessly. I, I, I say that they've transitioned to a three man front, just like everybody else in the conference. Um, they're not great defensively, but there's not like a glaring hole in their defense. Um, they are 51st in the country and the DF plus rankings. Um, and overall the, the team, not, not the defense, but the overall team is ranked 10th best and SP plus, um, defensively, they are led by their linebackers, which they've always been at TCU, uh, linebacker, Jamoy Hodge, 47 tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks and interception. And then his linebacking mate transfer from Navy, Johnny Hodges, 47 tackles, four tackles for loss, one and a half sacks, almost like that identical stats. Um, when Texas Tech has the ball, the passing offense has dipped a little bit, 338 passing yards per game, 6.92 yards per attempt. They are running the ball for 138 yards a game on 3.6 yards per carry. Texas Tech is converting just over 43% of their third and fourth down attempts and scoring just under 34 points per game. TCU defensively uh, allowed 262 passing yards on seven and a half yards per attempt. They allowed teams to rush for 140 and a half yards on 3.8 yards per carry. They allowed teams to convert 42% of their third and fourth down conversions, and they allowed teams to score 27.3 points. So not a whole lot different here in what you are doing versus what they allow. Um, so I don't think that's where the game is going to lie unless they are able to get a lot of pressure and they are not, uh, here, let me see if I can pull it up real quick. And I, of course I can't, um, their, their rankings within the big 12 on those other stats that we looked at when I was telling you about the, uh, Baylor, um, performance. So scoring defense TCU is sixth. Um, interceptions, they are third. They've got nine on the year. Um, sacks, they are 
tied for ninth with West Virginia. Um, teams tackle for loss, they are 12th. Uh, third down defense, they are sixth. They're just behind you at Texas Tech defense. Team passing defense efficiency, they're sixth. Um, so they're, again, not like, like I, I wouldn't point to this like, man, it's going to be real, real tough to move the ball. Uh, although these were very similar matchups that we saw last week going into the Baylor game that didn't play out the same way. Right. When TCU has the ball, though, they are throwing for 301 yards per game at 7.6 yards per attempt and running the ball for 218 yards on almost six yards per carry. So they're up to just about 520 yards of offense per game. They convert almost 50%, 46.6% of their third and fourth down attempts and are scoring 44.3 points per game. Tech Tech defensively is allowing 218 passing yards on seven yards per attempt, 148 rushing yards per game on 3.9 yards per carry. They allow teams to convert 38.2% of their third and fourth down attempts and teams to score 29.25 yards, uh, 29.25 points per game. Um, so, I mean, defensively between TCU and Texas Tech, it's actually really close. Um, they allow more passing yards than you do on more yards per attempt. Uh, they allow more rushing yards or you allow more rushing yards by eight on, on a game um, yards per carry almost identical. Uh, they allow teams to convert a little bit more frequently than you do and team score two more points against you than they do against TCU. The big thing is the, the TCU offense, which is going to be a nightmare. Um, with that and with, I think, you know, being eight games in, uh, you are what your, your tape says you are, um, until proven otherwise, like your offensive line is, is going to be the liability. That's what's going to determine the outcome of the game. Um, and, and of course your, your mental state because Baylor doesn't have like the best defensive front, uh, but Mm -hmm. they, they sure looked like it on Saturday where they were getting three guys to the quarterback, all five of your offensive linemen just standing around. Um, the same thing could happen on Saturday. Uh, I don't know. And I wouldn't be surprised if it did. So I am taking TC to win this one uh, pretty comfortably, 48 to 20. Uh, obviously, it's a cover. It is barely an under. Um, Stats of War also has their, he has his own little prediction. Um, He's got the game predicted a little bit closer. I think it was within a touchdown, so Texas Tech would cover, but TC would still win this one. Uh, I just, I don't see it, man. The the, the TC offense, from what I've seen, um, they, they 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 can beat you any way they want to. Yeah, it, it's kind of weird. The last two games for Texas Tech, the under hit on both, and it's because West Virginia didn't hold up their end of the bargain of being able to play good offense and Texas tech didn't hold up their end against Baylor on being able to actually get in the end zone either. And so I I think there's some similarities there and that's why I'm basically going with, I I don't want to compare tech to West Virginia, but here's where we are because you know that they felt the same way. You know that they came to Lubbock, they got their tail whipped and they just were like, we shot ourselves in the foot. We're not this bad. There's no way they're that much better than us. 
this is a lot on, on us. And we are doing the exact same thing one week later. There's no way Baylor's that much better than us. Tech just had a really bad game. Uh, so this is, this is kind of where I'm sitting at too. And, and I feel like it's going to turn out about the same way because then who did West Virginia play after they got beat in Lubbock? They played TCU and they lost 41 31. And I felt, well, that's as good a score as any. So I'm going to go with tech <laughs> going to. So you got TCU like having the same outcome two weeks in a row. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go they're, they're They're beating a team that's coming off of a bad loss that, they know that they shot themselves in the foot for a bunch of it. And yeah, yeah, we can look at the home in a way it's different. They were in Morgantown last week and they had a really late backdoor cover, but yeah, they, 41 as like time was expiring. They hit, they hit that last touchdown, <laughs> but uh, I'm taking the over 41 31. That'll barely get the over. Um, and it will also have TCU covering. I do think the offense bounces back this week. Like you said, that, the the defense is not as a, as much of a concern to me as just how well is the offense going to play. And I, I think if the offense, a, a lot of it's just kind of a microcosm of their own making. Uh, I don't know if it's dependent upon the defense so much some weeks, but like last week, I think the def, Baylor's defense did fine. Like you said, I don't want to discredit them for being, I'm not going to say they were a bad defense in any stretch or in any metric. Are they really bad? They're not a great pass defense, but uh, Tech made them look really bad. And I think that's what we can take from that. And I I think they're going to bounce back. The coaches are going to bounce back. They're going to utilize the players they have, um, see what's working, be smarter with the football. There's just no way that they're going to turn it over five times again. But even so, I still think TCU is just going to be really dominant on offense. And Duggan has been playing really well. I, I guess if I wanted to hedge my bets, there's got to be a letdown game somewhere. And, you know, like we've discussed before, they play Texas the week after. Maybe they're quote-unquote looking ahead, not worried about a 4-4 four and four team coming to their home stadium. But, man, I don't know. This is a TCU team that's been pretty focused and they've been pretty on fire. Um, and I think they're going to be really hard to stop on – for text defense. So yeah, 41 31. That feels right to me. I did predict this as a win. This may be your uh, first uh, loss in the preseason prediction. You are, it might be eight. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's for what that's worth. I was eight. No coming into this one on the preseason prediction, but um, we'll see where we land here. But because for what that's worth, I had TCU going three and nine. <laughs> Oh goodness. So uh it's kind of a hater pick. I, I, I admit that. But yeah, so we were that talking was, that was bad. We were talking a little earlier about their returning production. Uh they return the most out of any Big Twelve team, eighty three percent, eighty six percent on offense, eighty percent on defense. Oh man, um, yeah. I knew I knew you had it down here somewhere. Okay. Yeah, yeah I see it. Baylor returned forty seven percent. So Ooh. you 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 can put whatever stock you want into that. Texas Tech returned almost sixty percent. Well, TCU returned a lot of what of a team that won five wins last year. So it was kind of like, okay, so what? So they're returning a bunch of guys that didn't do that much last year. That was, that was my reasoning behind thinking they weren't going to do that well. And then the new coach turnover and all this new philosophy and all that stuff. Well, I mean, that obviously blew up Yeah, and it still has a lot of time to blow up. Um, I didn't know if you want to get into 
we're going to, if you want to talk rankings a little bit, we can, the, the college football playoff rankings came out. I love that Tennessee is first. Tennessee is one. Shake it up a little bit, man. Love Clear it. number one. Let's see something other than the normal. Clemson. What do you mean the normal? Blows my mind. There will still be two SEC teams in the in the playoff. No, I know, but at least number one is not OU or Alabama or Clemson. There, at least number one is someone else. Yeah, there, there will be some SEC cannibalism. OU, OSU. I think. I'm sorry. I'm at OSU. Yeah, because uh, Tennessee still has to play Georgia. Yes, Georgia at Alabama least, play. Least, yeah. Uh, and then probably a, a one or two of those three will play again in the, the, the title game. So, yeah. And I, I'm hoping that, you know, I don't want TCU to be good. I don't care if it's good for the big 12 or whatever. I don't really I'm, care. I'm not a, I'm not a conference. I'm not, a, I don't, I couldn't no. care less. I, I kind of am when it comes to ratings, I want people to watch the games. I want them to be competitive and enjoyable sure. for people who just like the sport. I have kind of turned into that guy a little bit, but no, I'm not, I'm not mad that TCU is not higher or anything like that. Um, but it is kind of funny that they're number seven and they're behind one win Alabama or one loss Alabama, which of course, I mean, really who's going to rank them above Alabama, but Clemson is still number four and they're ahead of Michigan and Michigan hasn't lost either. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of this stuff's going to work itself out. Um, obviously Michigan and Ohio state play each other too. I can't remember if you mentioned that or not, but, and then LSU, I think that would, they're quite a bit different. Texas naturally makes it as the only three loss team in the college football playoffs ranking. They're number 24, just ahead of uh, former national champion, central Florida. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have a lot to say on that aside from, I wanted to acknowledge that TCU is, they are in the mix. They are really doing well right now. They're, they're cooking, they're playing some good football. Um, I'd love to mess that up. I, re- I, I really, yeah, I really hope that that falls apart on, on Saturday. Yeah. I hate to see them lose their, their shot in the playoff because they got upset this weekend. So all right, uh, let's let's uh, let's head to basketball, man. We got a game to preview. We do. Okay, let's do it. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. Oh! And he stepped back by the freshman sensation Smith. Pass over the top. McCormick get a crowd strip by Owens. Ready on the run. Bounce pass. Here's Culver. with a crossover and the lob to Owens. Now the shot clock is at three. Mooney spins, fires. Oh, he got it to go. Edwards with a three. Good. What a shot, Kyler Edwards. Ready double into Tariq. Oh, who puts it down. Already. Odiasi. Propars it in. Shot clock down to five. Got the screen. Here's a three. All right, so coming off of a sweet 16 run, 
Michael. Texas Tech checks in preseason rankings at 25th, which I think shows a lot of respect to Mark Adams and the program that he is running because of just how many new faces. Uh, there are five transfers and five true freshmen on this team. You are muted, good sir. Yeah. Okay. I've podcasted before. So hey, at least it wasn't me. So there's new, <laughs> there's new faces. Lots of them, man. Ten of them. Well, ten new faces for this team. Um, but before we get there, let's I guess set set up. Uh, these are preseason based projections, um, but there are Haslametrics and Ken Palm ratings for for Texas Tech and for the the first couple opponents that we'll talk about. On Ken Palm, Texas Tech checks in at 17th, which I I love that. Uh, adjusted offense is projected at 42nd, which is weird because uh, not all the, the players that are transferring or that are returning had big roles in their, their previous spots. Some did, uh, but that also is going to have a brand new look because of Steve Green, who is de facto offensive coordinator, <laughs> if there were right. such a thing in yeah. basketball. Uh, being hired over from from South Plains College, uh, defense though that's that's pretty standard. Uh, you, you know, pretty much what you're going to get from from Mark Adams. Ken Palm has them starting off at seventh in the country, um, and tempo, which again may change wildly as as we start getting some games on the schedule uh, at 298th. But that kind of goes against everything I've seen about Steve Green. So we'll we'll talk about that in a second. Has the metrics? You're a little bit higher there, 14th. Offensive efficiency twenty third and defensive efficiency first. So Just they don't start expect to drop yeah, at all. They don't expect to drop in defensive production, despite the personnel change. I, I did read an interesting thought today on, of all places, the Score app. I'm not sure who even wrote it, but they kind of had. They were making their case in a couple of paragraphs for each. Big 12 team to have a good run. And of course, Tech's case was to play good defense, which seems like that's yeah. <laughs> in the cards for Mark Adams. But they did bring up a good question. Um, you know, with last year consisting mostly of six, 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 eight, six, nine guys out on the field at any given time, the field. I've got a transition, Spencer. I'm not ready yet. Out on the court at any given time they're able to switch screens all the time. So pretty much it didn't matter if I mean, whoever was up at the top of the key, they could guard anybody and vice versa. So, um, I, I, they brought that out and you know, like how is, how is he going to handle that now that he's got guys that are six, three and under, and he, he's got a true seven footer. I mean, are they going to still switch no matter what, or are they going to try a couple of other different things? So I, that's something I'll be keeping an eye on for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's start with uh, Steve Green, uh, former South Plains College head coach there in Leveland. You were a South Plains. Oh, what's the mascot? The Texans. Texan. You, you started we got, out. We got over a there. double barrel. We've got a double barrel gun. There you go. South Plains College Texans. Samantha also started there. She got her associates before transferring. Um, you bet. As a head coach there, or as a head coach, he's, well, I'm sorry, head coach SPC led to them to three national titles in 22 years coaching um, has a 706 and 192 record as a head coach 552 and 152 at South Plains College 
That's insane, man. Um, really brought in to help uh, on the offensive side, right? Uh, and f- from everything that we we read, uh, he is a huge fan of Steve Kerr and Colton State. <laughs> so he's trying to emulate what they do, uh, which hopefully was going to translate to some some little quicker uh, offense. They're going to try to move the ball around, create multiple scoring opportunities. I don't know the lingo and X's and O's in basketball. I was, I was trying to learn a little bit more. Um, it, it's much more than just screens and, 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 and pass. They're like their pins and, um, anyways, all, all, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, but really it's going to be a lot of reads. It's similar in the, mo- the motion offense where you're, you're, you're trying to create the mismatch and you're trying to find, um, your, your best scoring opportunity, uh, with some movement around the, 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 the key, the, the half court. Um, and it's much less structured than like a, you know, we're, we're going to run up there and we're going to have a, a certain screen set and we're going to run play number five or whatever it is. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but so the, the offense is going to be obviously one of the biggest things we're going to watch with, with the hiring of Steve green, uh, what, what the transfers are going to do, right? Like, I want to go through some storylines for this season. Uh, obviously the offense, the transfers to Marion Williams, a guard coming in. Um, you know, he was big South conference, all freshman team. Uh, what was Gardner web? I don't know why I was blanking on that. Um, and his last season there, he was averaging almost 15 points per game. Uh, shooting 41% from the field, 40% from three and 80, 80% free throw shooter, which is huge. Um, I, it looks like from everything I, I was looking at in Steve green, like you're going to need some good shooters, right? And we, we always kind of, we, we kind of point to man, if Texas tech was a little bit more reliable offensively, if they could shoot the ball better, uh, cause they were, they were finding open guys or they, they were kind of creating a little bit, um, but they just weren't able to to capitalize and finish out. But uh, hopefully uh, with, with enough open looks, <laughs> enough of the, the offense that, that Steve Green's going to be bringing over that you're going to see an uptick there. Um, forward or center, I would probably lean more towards the center. Fardaz Amac at Utah Valley played more than 34 minutes a game, which is a ton for a big guy. 19 points per game, shot f- almost 50% from the field, 43 and a half percent from three. That was a low volume though. Uh, 72% from free throw about 14 rebounds a game and almost a block and a half per game. Uh, now the thing with AMAC is we're, we're not going to see him until about conference play. Uh, he'll be coming in around the end of December. Uh, but that's obviously something there. Jalen Tyson, the recruit you had, uh, committed to Chris Beard and then he followed him to Texas and then flipped back after playing in eight games there. Uh, was with the program for most of the season last year, uh, but still to sit out is eligible this year. Um, in his time at Texas, he shot 40% from the field, almost 70% from free throws. The charity strike one rebound and 0.3 blocks. Uh, John Rothstein, uh, he tweets a lot about big 12 basketball. Well, he tweets a lot about basketball, but that's obviously part of his job, but he, he, there's a lot of tech stuff in his, his timeline uh, with his sources and his, his connections there to, to Mark Adams. But he was, um, he tweeted back in September that Tyson is primed to have an immediate big role in this team this year. And that he pointed out that Tyson can score basically all over the court from all three levels. Uh, transfer, obviously, we're still, still in the transfers. Guard Davion Harmon, 
Obviously, you guys know he's originally played at Oklahoma, then transferred to Oregon. Now he's with Texas Tech. Um, almost just a little bit more than 31 minutes per game, uh, about 11 points per game, 42% from the field, 37% from three, uh, just over 70%, 73% from the free throw line, uh, two and a half rebounds, two assists, 1.5 turnovers per game. And then Kerwin Walton from North Carolina, uh, in total in his career, there played in 60 games, started 21 of them, uh, his career numbers there, Almost six points per game, 42% from the field, 40% from three, 88% from the free throw line, about a rebound and a half, more than an assist, and less than one turnover per game. Um, there was just the the talent there didn't allow him to break through, but you saw when he did get on the field, uh, on the field, I did it too. When he gets on the court, he's able to shoot really, really efficiently if he's shooting more than 40% from the field. Um, any of those guys that stand not, out to you? It's not just me. Well, you did say, and, and from the field. So that is a thing that people say in basketball. Yeah. But then I said, when he gets so on the field, that's, that's what it is. That's yeah. That's what we meant. You know, obviously AMAC stands out big time. I mean, to average a double, double and come into the league, uh, on 50% shooting, I think he's going to really be someone to look out for once he's healthy and able to come in. But uh, I mean, I, I think the other thing that's kind of, I'm like salivating at is Demarion Williams shooting 41% from the field and 40% from three. I think it was um, Bryson Williams last year was tech's best three point shooter. Mm -hmm. And I think he was 38 or 36. I I can't remember exactly, but you know, obviously tech loses him. I do have faith that O'Banner is probably going to pick things up a little bit. He had some really, some some rough stretches there last year that really affected his overall percentage. But man, like you pointed at pointed to earlier, tech really needs a three point threat. I mean, Davion Harmon's on that list too. That's what I've been just keeping my eye on the most, especially if they're going to try to run the same type of offense uh, that they were running over at South Plains college. And, and, you know, speaking of recruiting and I know that I think the joke's old uh, talking about how Mac Mark Adams can't recruit. I, but I mean, he got Steve Green over here. Who knows how many times people have been trying to get Steve Green away from Leveland mm-hmm. over the last two decades. And Adams was the one guy who was able to do it. So he can connect with people. And he did do exactly what you mentioned earlier, basically announced Steve Green as the offensive coordinator when, during the Big 12 media days. That was kind of kind of how he, he put it. So yeah, Harmon, seeing those numbers, seeing what Williams can do, uh, might be a immediate impact from beyond the arc. So I want to stick with recruiting and talk about the, the true freshmen that, that are coming in. Um, because again, with, uh, with something that Rothstein tweeted out, some of these guys are expected to, to be able to contribute pretty much immediately. Um, start with starting with guard Lamar Washington, six, four, two, ten. He's a composite four star out of Portland, Oregon. Um, Pop Isaacs, I think, is the one a lot of people have heard about. Richard Isaacs, guard, 6'2", 185 from Henderson, Nevada. Um, he may be a starter on this team. Uh, I, I would, If he starts, I would, I would love to see him alongside Davion Harmon, like a 1-2 there. Tyson at the 3, O'Banner at the 4, Bacho and yeah. Amax switching at the 5. Oh, 
give me that uh, as your first team. Robert Jennings is a forward, 6'7", 220, uh, composite three-star from coming out of DeSoto. Uh, Elijah Fisher, no no idea about this guy. Like It, it, it could be any, anywhere, but he, he came in as one of the highest-rated recruits in this class. Uh, is the highest of the incoming freshmen, 6'6", 195, guy coming out of Toronto, uh, high four-star. Um, and then... Really, I, I'm just looking. If they're going to contribute one, you want to make sure that the the mistakes are, are, are limited as freshmen. But if you can come in and and have some kind of offensive impact, man, let's see it, man. Let's get that rolling. And then, yeah, your returners. Um, you've got three. I've only got two listed because I messed up. But forward Kevin O'Banner, uh, you, you mentioned he he finished out the season. He's pretty close to shooting forty percent from three. Man, if he can pick that back up. Uh, that'd be fantastic. And I, I know he, he kind of like had his one shot from the corner. Like if we can kind of expand that zone a little bit, that'd be pretty good. But the corner three is kind of a lot of the shots that the golden state warrior offense took. Uh, now, yeah. And it helped that they had shooters all over that team, but it's based shooters on shooters that can, it's, it's a, it's akin to a quarterback who can get rid of the ball fast. Uh, those golden state guys, like the second they touch it, they could shoot it if they want. I mean, it's all like one motion. I mean, it's yeah. insane. It's, it's not like me old school. I'd almost have to like dribble there could be five guys. <laughs> yeah. There could be five guys run towards me and get to me and swarm me before I'm like, okay, I'm ready to shoot now. Everyone. <laughs> no, they just, they catch it and pop it. And so yeah. I'm, I'm sure they're working on that. Um, you know, just, just bringing up a uh, O'Banner again, I, I don't know if you've seen much of these guys, but some of the stuff that, that the media has been posting another returner, of course, is KJ Allen. These, this whole team just looks in, in incredibly good shape. And KJ Allen has lost even more weight. Uh, O'Banner looks like he had like some photo of him boxing with an eight pack and stuff. I mean, these guys are going nuts. And then I, I know that you're going to bring up Bacho too. He's the other returner. Something I wanted to bring up, really quickly was at one point Adams teased having Bacho and Amac in the game at the same time. And I don't know. I'm sure we'll still see that, but I don't know if we'll get to see it as much because I'm sure the thought process there was to see how well it worked in these non-conference games and tweak things and, you know, figure out a good rotation and to, to keep two guys in there for any given amount of time. I love that. I grew up watching Spurs basketball with Duncan and Robinson. So, I mean, that concept is, is a beautiful thought to me, but I'm not, you know, uh, it doesn't matter to me how Texas tech chooses to win games, but if, if that is able to come back around and they're able to throw that out at people, it could really cause some problems. Yeah. And I, I think some of the, the concerns people have, like if you're playing two big guys, is that like you're, you're sacrificing another spot on offense but man, you look you look at those offensive numbers from AMAC, twenty points right. per game, and like I, you know, he's able to get get the ball down low and then finish obviously with that kind of percentage. But man, if they can figure out a way to get two seven footers on the, on the on the court at the same time, and they've got matchup problems because not many teams have a seven footer, let alone two. Um, yeah, I, I almost wonder if it'll turn into the yeah. Please come into the middle defense. Like, come on in. Let's see what you can do against these two guys. I mean, they, they might even transition that and funnel it 
and throw everyone off and, and try to, you know, work people away from the baseline. Like, no, try to, try to go at AMAC, try to go at Bacho, see how far you can get. But I, I want to see what, what that looks like. And and you've got a note here too. You mentioned, I don't want to step on it too much, but man, Bacho is getting a lot of praise mm-hmm. in the, you know, obviously our eyes have not really seen anything. We will soon, very soon. I can't Monday. believe it. Yeah. Um, but he, he's bachelor's getting a lot of praise like to what we saw from him last season when he would come in kind of in situational basketball. But, um, this is the, the exciting yet kind of frustrating part of where basketball is going to be for part of probably now on is just this huge overturn of, of the roster every year. And this isn't a Texas Tech thing. This is just for everybody. So it's kind of frustrating because you get used to players and you get used to seeing certain things. But then I would say it's probably way more exciting than frustrating, at least where we are, because then you want to see what these guys can bring to the table. You want to see if Isaacs is going to start right away or if he works his way into a starting spot and what he can do when he's there, uh, you, you want to see what Williams can do from beyond the arc. You know, Walton has a good chance of shooting from beyond the arc too. You can tell that the three point game is just really what I'm interested in this season, <laughs> but, um, I, it's, it's exciting. It's, yeah. it's fun to, to see this. I do wish tech had a better non-con schedule. It's pretty soft and always to put it lightly. Always has but been. It, I know it always has been, but it's, you know, they were working in a couple of, at least one or two marquee non-cons the last few years and don't really have one this year. Um, you know, they've, they've got the Maui invitational, but yeah, well, there's not well, a Duke on the schedule. There's not a, even Princeton turned out to be a really good one. Was it Princeton? No, Providence. It was Providence. That was a good game to play last year. Uh, you know, Louisville's, a, that was a good one. I mean, there's just, there's just not as many like that. Well, in, in, in the Maui Gym Invitational, you, you're going to play top 10 Creighton, or at least their, their preseason top 10 Creighton, number nine. Sure. Uh, you can get number 10 Arkansas or Louisville. And then, you know, obviously the, the, how that the tournament plays out will determine who you play in that third game. You've got Georgetown, which is a historic name there. Um, it's true. I mean, the, the Maui Gym is really where you're going to see some basketball, but it's just kind of a different, completely different environment and hard to, hard to pinpoint exactly how things go down there, but, um, it'll, it'll be good. It'll be good for the team. It's, it's just a pretty soft schedule <laughs> overall. Yeah. Cause you, you've got, um, uh, you've got 12 non-conference games North starting Monday, Northwestern state, Texas, Southern Louisiana tech, Creighton, Arkansas, Louisville, Georgetown, Nichols, Eastern Washington, Jackson State down there. It will be played in Houston. They're obviously not from Houston. Um, Houston Christian. There's there's the tie-in to the what we were talking about earlier. There it is. South Carolina State, and then you get just a couple of days off uh, before the South Carolina State game is on Tuesday, December twenty seventh. Conference play starts Saturday the thirty first. Do you have any idea how they come up with the Big 12 SEC challenge? Because I'm interested as to why Tech's going back to LSU two years after they just went. I wonder if it's a uh, if they match him up with 
similar finishing teams within the conference. So like, oh, yeah, maybe so. Tech finished fourth. LSU was fourth. Okay. I could buy that. I mean, because we've played Kentucky, Mississippi State. Sorry, not Mississippi State. Arkansas um, and LSU previously and Auburn. Yes. And I mean, if, if you want to go way back, I know Tex played Alabama at some point. Some Avery Johnson basketball. Started it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe he's still coaching. Maybe not that far. Um, yeah. Then you get, you get your round Robin starting in, at uh, the big 12, you know, start on the road in Fort Worth. TCU is going to be a, a pretty good team. <laughs> the, the advanced stats guys had them right up there with, with where you were. Cause they returned basically everybody. Uh, and they were they were, they were pretty good to, to finish the season. Um, your the start to Big Twelve play. I mean, at TCU, home versus Kansas, home versus Oklahoma, at Iowa State. Like, you don't really get like a break until you like. Even then, it's a road game at Kansas State, and that's a month in. And then home versus West Virginia, Kansas State, and West Virginia are, are like ninth and tenth in the, in the conference this season. And then you get the Big Twelve SEC Challenge. And you turn right around, host Iowa State at Baylor, at Oklahoma State, hosting Kansas State and Texas, at West Virginia, at Oklahoma. That's a pretty brutal turnaround and the, the teams you're going to face there. Home versus TCU in Lawrence, of course. <laughs> They're almost uh, February 28th and then March 4th, your final game of the season, the regular season final home game against the Cowboys. So, and as always, we just, just a gentle reminder, go ahead and get that ESPN plus subscription. If you don't, you're going to need it for the Kansas football game. And then you will need it for basketball season and then baseball season. You'll need it through all of the non-con games, (laughs) except for the Maui games. And then, um, I'd say about a third of the big 12 games. Most of them appear to be on ESPN two or U. Uh, but yeah, there's about a third that are going to be on ESPN plus the big one is Baylor. You will be on CBS. I, it's interesting. Cause we, we were talking about how Baylor. we couldn't, we couldn't figure out, uh, the football TV schedule until six days out this game, February, Saturday, February 4th. Now there's not a time set for it. Um, yeah, we, I see one 12 PM. Yeah. It, you know, all the times are set. Excuse me. All the times are yeah, set. The times are set for every game. Uh, and, and the station and the, the, the TV yeah. was well, ESPN or ESPN two. Uh, yeah, but a, this the, one's got ESPN CBS. Can flex, yeah. ESPN can flex within their own networks. But for instance, like the latest game, March 4th, Saturday versus Oklahoma state will be on ESPN two at 5 PM. And that doesn't matter if both teams are one and two in the country or, 350 and 351. That's when it's going to be. By God, that's how it should be. So there you we go. We know where it is. We know when, when we know when I need to be there on March 4th. Yeah. Before we get to that though, Michael, the game on Monday is at so Monday, the 7th Northwestern state ESPN plus. If you're going to watch it, it will, I don't know if it's actually eight o'clock cause I've seen eight and I've seen nine. It's going to follow the women's game cause it's a men's women's doubleheader women tip off first the men's game will follow Northwestern state. They are 353rd and Ken Palm 344 in the adjusted offense, 357 and adjusted defense. 
They are a quick team, 64th in tempo. Haslametrics has this as a projected win for Texas Tech by about 30 points, 86 to 57. And then, and then more is a heads up just to put on the calendar because we will record before this game, but Thursday the 10th, so we'll get two games next week, hosting Texas Southern, uh, 7 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. They are a little bit better than Northwestern State, 305 in Ken Palm, 319 offense, 236 in defense, and 49th in tempo. Uh, and then the the Haslametrics projection here has it a little bit closer, 80 to 59. So 21 points instead of 30, but still both pretty comfortable wins. More just excited to see this team, uh, the program get started for this season. Yeah. And you mentioned, I'll just go ahead and throw these in here too. Uh, you mentioned the women starting tonight. They had that exhibition game against Midwestern state, Texas tech did win 84 to 70 on 50% shooting from the field. So they were just hot the entire night. Um, McKinney had 19 points in 21 minutes, seven of 10 shooting and three of four from three. So a really impressive exhibition for the lady Raiders starting out. Uh, as you mentioned, there is a double header and the later Raiders tip off at 5.30. There is a way that you can get, if you get a seat for the men's game, um, you can go to both. So if you have a seat to the men's game, you can show up at 5.30. You can watch the later Raiders and then just hang out and watch the Red Raiders afterwards. But yeah, they take on Texas A&M Corpus Christi at 5.30. And the reason I'm kind of really going on about this is I'm, I plan on taking my five-year-old and the, the three of us are going to go to go see the, the women play because, um, you know, it's a five thirty tip off and it's a UIL day at school. So kindergartners don't even go to school that day. So we're going to kind of make a day out of it and we'll, we'll go watch the, the lady Raiders play, but obviously we won't be able to stick around with our five-year-old for an 8, 8 PM tip for the men. Which it's like I could, but five hours of basketball. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think the next morning would go very well. Uh, but anyway, pretty excited about that. Getting her there, we got to take her to a game last year, and she really enjoyed it. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention, Spencer, it's kind of the, the other off-topic thing. The the soccer team, I've been kind of in and out on them this season. I haven't kept up with them as much as I wanted, and part of it is because I, I really got. I enjoyed taking my five-year-old. We went to two or three games last year, but that was before she was going to school every day. And now that she's going to school every day, it's just kind of hard to talk myself into getting home at nine 30 or 10, knowing that she's going to wake up at six 30 the next day and go to school. Whereas before she just went on Tuesday and Thursday or Monday and Wednesday or something. And I could kind of work it out to where the, anyway, so I didn't get to take her to any this year. The That's few a- that were on Sunday just didn't work. Yeah, that that's a that's an early start in the McDonald household. <laughs> it it is. Well, I mean, she's got to be up at the school by seven thirty, or between seven thirty and seven forty five. So we just kind of everyone gets up at six thirty. We all have breakfast together and hang out and just kind of talk because our little one's not used to getting woken up. I mean, when she went to the other schools, it, or, or you know the the two day yeah. uh, preschool, they started at eight fifty five or something. So she would just get up on her own 
and then be ready with plenty of time to go. But she has to be woken up now because if we tried to get her up at seven or something, it just would not. She doesn't like it. The structure in that house, man. I admire it. You, you know what? So Grayson has to be at school. Don't, I have nothing to do with it. I'm usually like the last one at, to the breast, <laughs> breakfast table. So Grayson's like, he can be there as early as 7.15 um, to, to go in for, for breakfast, but they will open up and allow kids to go to their classes starting at 7.45. Their window is 7.45 to 7.55. So it's a 10 minute window. Most days, Michael, I'm in his room at 7.30. <laughs> I turn his light. I was oh like, gosh. Hey man, it's time to get up. We got to get going. And like, I get out of bed, walk to his room, turn the light on. <laughs> it is like my alarms aren't going off. It's more like, okay, I need to get started at like seven, which works. Cause if I have to get up, uh, you know, if I'm going in the office that day, then I have to get up and shower. Cause I will just take him to school and then go to the office. Um, most days yeah. I, I get up, I take him to school and I just come right back home. <laughs> But yeah, yeah so, we, we, we start pretty early just because the, I mean, I think at some point we may not have to do that anymore. We might start switching well, over to seven so she can get some breakfast down and, and we're just trying to make the mornings as, as smooth as possible. We, man, we've talked about wanting to, to get up earlier and like ha- have breakfast together, but like I'm more of a mer- morning person than Samantha is, but like Samantha is like the definition of like, like she reverse engineers. Okay. When do I have to be somewhere? How long does it take me to get ready? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that means I have to be out of bed at this is what, like seven fifty two, And like it's seven fifty seven. like, all right, it's time to get out of bed now. <laughs> She's like yeah. already late to her like reverse engineering her schedule. Um, she's just, she's just not a morning person. She, she's a little heavier sleeper and we would love to be up earlier and have that kind of time. Neither of us are really morning people, but Allison is someone who, when her alarm wakes goes off, she wakes up. And I have never been that person. I'm like, I, my alarm needs to go off two, three times <laughs> before I'm like, okay, fine, I'll deal with it. Yeah. Hers, she sets an alarm and her, she's just up. And I admire that. And it helps me because she's the one that usually gets up. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm, I'm fall, I'm lagging behind later. And, um, you know, credit, I don't want to take away anything she's doing. I just don't want you to also think that she's making like pancakes and eggs and breakfast. I mean, she is providing breakfast for us in some form or fashion, but I just don't want you to think that it's like a every day. It's this gigantic breakfast. It's like, no, I mean, it's, it's oatmeal, it's fruit, it's yogurt, it's bagels. It's, I mean, she's always got something great for us to eat, but, um, I didn't want you to think that it's like a <laughs> no, it's I, an ideal Neiman Marcus painting over here or something. <laughs> no, I was just in the morning, just pointing out like we are uh, those people that are like <laughs> persistently <Let's> late, <laughs> and and it's like okay, wait, like we we have to be there. Like I, I want to leave the house about seven forty five because I don't want to have to like rush over there and him be late. Because a, a kid in elementary school being late is not a reflection of the kid. It's a reflection of the parents. Oh, so like yeah, w- absolutely. when they count tardies and all that kind of stuff, it's like, it really, that's you, on me. That's on me. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's like a 15 minute window. Like he gets up, rolls out of bed, uh, does his, his morning stuff to get ready. We brush his hair. He's, you know, he dresses himself. 
all that kind of stuff. They're like, yeah, well, true, while yeah. he's doing that, like I'm making his lunch and then backed up and over in the car. And it's like a two minute drive. Well, it's, it's a little bit longer than that, but it's a 10 minute round trip from my house, drop him off at school and then be back. All right. So that, that oh, that's well, a little bit about what we learned. I, I, I did want to talk about the world series. Well, w- real quick, I yeah. was back to soccer because that's where we started. Right. I just wanted to give a <laughs> shout out to the soccer team. Um, I was watching on Sunday night. I, I admit I got tired and I, I only made it to the first half, but it was tied zero zero. Quite a bit of shots were taken by both teams in the first half. I think Oklahoma had six and OE or Texas Tech had five. And the Tech really picked that up in the second half, but just couldn't get the ball in the goal. Um, so I woke up the next morning to see that Tech actually lost. And this was their first game in the Big 12 tournament. And they were seated number three, I think. I forget where OU was, but they were definitely, I think, eight. So OU won one to zero. But did you know when they scored their goal, Spencer? Uh, nine, nine seconds remaining. <sighs> o, OU scores their only goal with nine seconds remaining, thus ending Texas Tech soccer season. But, uh, I mean, Tech soccer really did quite well this year. Like I said, I wish I would have kept up with them more. It was just, I just didn't, I should have. But uh, they were in the conversation up, um, you know, they, they did well in the, in the conference and they, they finished in the top three, I believe. But, but yeah, just a heart, heartbreaker of a loss to be tied zero, zero, have the winning goal go through the net with nine seconds remaining in the game. And that's it. That's rough, man. That's rough. That's all I had. I just wanted to touch on that. Well, I, I, want, I learned nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the World Series um, because it has little to do with the actual games being played. Uh, the Phillies won tonight game three. They blasted the Astros, loved it, seven to zero. Um, really, it was four zero last I saw. Dang. Yeah. I, I think they were all scored on home runs. Um, Oof. I am supremely pleased with Fox. They finally moved away from Joe Buck. And at least these first games, I don't know if they're like, if they're planning to bring him back late in the series of like, there's a game seven, they're going to switch it over, which would be stupid. They've gone to Joe Davis who has been freaking fantastic. I love him. Cause he, he, he's done some tech games, some tech football games, but he's the play by play guy. Uh, the regular play by play guy for the, the Dodgers. Um, and I, I bring this up every time, but like he's, he's a couple years older than I am. He's a couple years younger than you are. Just, he's just so dang good. And like it, it helped with the start that the Phillies got, uh, the way the game started this tonight, uh, the first two Astros batters swung at the first pitch and like had great defensive plays. So like two pitches in, they had two outs, uh, on some like highlight plays and I was just imagining Joe Buck calling it or the fly ball to right field and Castellanos makes the catch. <laughs> we will see you tomorrow night where Joe Davis was like voice was cracking. And I, 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 maybe that, that, that kind of turns people off that like that kind of emotion over the top, but man, give me more Joe Davis. I love it. I couldn't well, does, be more happy that Joe Buck is not calling the world series. I haven't, 
I never, okay. I, I, I'm not a base big baseball fan. So my experience with Joe Buck is mostly on Cowboys games on Fox. And, and I never really got, it, it was fine. It kind of like turned into Nickelback or Creed where it was just cool to hate him. And I didn't really get it, but I mean, I understand I've, I've heard a lot of people criticize his baseball calls, but my main question is, can he, does he still work for Fox now that he's at ESPN? Oh, that's, that's a good is point. That, I don't know. Is that I why about I don't, that. I don't, I would imagine they don't play well together. So <laughs> that may be why he's not doing the world series. If it's on Fox, I'm, I'd imagine he may just be on the sidelines unless it goes over to the mouse or something that he might have the chance to, to do it. Well, either way, uh, love, absolutely love Joe Davis. Um, and I, I've talked about how much I love Gus Johnson. I'm, I'm all for the, the animated and emotional, uh, broadcasters. I love it. I know we've talked about him too. And this is, this is, um, analyst and not play by play, but man, RG three was on the, the UCF Cincinnati game. I just get a kick out of him. I like him. I like his, he's, he's so infectious. He's so excited. He drops a lot of really cool lingo. <laughs> like, I mean, every time I'm like, Oh man, he's so cool. He's gotten so good. He's so cool. fast. Can I hang out with you? RG three. You're, you're really cool, man. And so I, I've really enjoyed him and I think they're using him wisely. Cause that UCF Cincinnati game, sometimes they'd like bury him in the middle of the night and it's a little much, but that was during the day that was leading into text game. And, you know, at four 30, I'm up for him, you know, getting really excited on some crazy play or not even that crazy of a play, but he's just excited about it. And he has some cool way to, uh, you know, talk about it and talk about the play design. So I, I've really enjoyed him. He's, he's grown on me a lot. Yeah. All right. Now that we're almost two hours in, that'll do it oh for boy. us on the 23. It was one forty five. Okay. That'll do hey, it for us on the 23 bad. personnel podcast. We did get you ready for, TCU game this weekend and basketball um, and way too long. Well, I guess not too long, but we were wrapping up the Baylor game since our post game stream got cut. Um, hopefully we're looking out for the, the upset on Saturday uh, and then getting the basketball season started for Michael. I'm Spencer. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast. Help us out by subscribing, rating the show, and leaving a review. Follow us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at Punt Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. Be sure to catch the next episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.